Welcome to the Didi and Latel Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latel. Hello, hello again, and welcome to the Didi and Mital Show. Thank you for joining us. It is the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. I'm trying not to buy anything today. Going to do my best. How about you, Didi? Any plans? Yes. My plan is to do as little as humanly possible. Watch the Bruins. Hopefully beat the Carolina Hurricanes because these guys need a nice kick in the wear. And World Cup? World Cup is... What's going on today? Uh, World Cup today, I think the U.S. is playing England and I am not very hopeful. England, not the UK. Everybody thinks it's there's multiple multiple sub- UK teams. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we already did not well with Wales, but now I England think, might might be worse. You think England will be a lot worse? England, I think, destroyed Iran like six two, something like that. But there were big surprises this week. Oh yes, yes. Uh, by the Japan, way, I want to pause us for a second and introduce our guest Vikram. Vikram, I will definitely decimate your last name because I, I know we know each other for almost 16 years now, 15 years from RSA days. And I will let you introduce yourself. Vikram, soon. thank you for joining us today. But Vikram's has, Vikram does have a hard stop because he is going to his daughter's soccer game, if I remember correctly. Oh, so good. Yeah, today is all soccer, soccer on the TV, soccer live. And it's my son, by the way, my oh, younger son, sorry. my daughter. That's okay. Yeah, it's all soccer. So we're going to be soaking in the rain while trying to keep a phone dry and watch a, watch two games at once. But yeah, to my name, name is Vikram. Last name is Venkata Subramanian. That's 18 letters, but it's got an even distribution of vowels and consonants. So if you read through it, you can. Founder and CEO of Nani Security. So we're, we're bringing in Vikram to both have commentary on soccer because he will be a much better authority than I am on, uh, on the topic of who has what. But th- I think it's very, very clear to say that the two biggest upsets were Germany and Japan and Argentina, no matter whom, and they lost to Saudi Arabia. Saudi, right? Yes, they lost to Saudi Arabia, which I jokingly say is like Ron's hockey team would beat the Bruins. That that kind of gives you a sense of how even those teams are. Argentina is ranked third and Saudi Arabia is ranked something like in the low 50s. And Ron is a freshman son just for those that are not following. Oh, okay. Thank you for the commentary. <laughs> and Vikram, what's your take on the World Cup so far? I mean, see, this World Cup is an emotional one, right? You want either Messi or Ronaldo to win. And and more messy than Ronaldo, you really want this guy to win, and there's so many people rooting for him, and it's just taking a turn. But that being said, I got I got I got my favorites, right? So I love Spain, I love Argentina. It's I think it's boring if either Brazil or Germany win yet again. So I'd like somebody else to win. But that being said, today I'm rooting for the U.S. I got my red, white, and blue combination going right today, right? So I, if if we pull off an upset today, it'll be wild. Yes, I was debating of bringing my Revs T-shirts. <laughs> red, white, and blue. That's yeah. red, white, and blue. There. The goalie is still the Revs goalie, right? I do not know. Is he the Revs, Revs goalie? I don't know which club he plays. So New I, England I, Revolution again. I'm the one to yeah. explain. New, yes, the Revs are New England Revolution, which is the team that nobody remembers, even though they play on the Patriots field. Well, hopefully they'll play better than the Patriots, but that's a whole different discussion. 
Anyways, we ha- while we would, I can talk for hours about soccer, football, and hockey. I think we've brought Vikram over not to talk about either of these things. I think we brought him over to talk about his company, his direction, and also about talking a little bit about security and privacy at the personal level. And I'll intro this with a very interesting anecdote. Yes, right before Thanksgiving on Wednesdays, my company, Ort, one of our sponsors, thanks Ort, gives us, we do a weekly demo. And during that weekly demo, I was describing some of the challenges right now that everybody's having with second factor authentication that is based off SMSs. Both the carriers are under massive attack. Some of the sub-subscribers under massive attack. And people have been able to easily hijack SMS multi-factor. After we finished the demo in my, my long rant about why you should never use SMS as your multi-factor, as a company, not as a person, don't worry about it, but even as a person. We can discuss it. We will. We will. Or the alternative as we, a person. Yeah. We will okay. discuss this at length. But after that, a whole bunch of my team reached out to me in the U.S. and said, okay, but what do we do now with our banks? And then I realized that while we have a very strong posture and a strong position about what do we do to make sure that our companies are secure, we don't do enough to educate everybody about how much our personal lives are at risk. And I think this is a very good topic to have. And I'll point a whole bunch of my team to Vikram's both product and our podcast with him. So Vikram, kick us off. Yeah, I mean, it's a key question, right? Why should we care about our privacy and our security today, right? We went to like maybe 20 years back, right? 15, 20 years back, the average home today has like more storage network and computing power than a small enterprise did like 20 years back, right? Yep. So if you look at how the security and identity conversation in the enterprise has evolved over that same period to how it has evolved, it's evolving now in the home, it's not even equal, right? I mean, it's not not comparable. We are still trying to, at this point, educate people as to why, let alone how, right? We're not even in the how conversation. And, and what people don't realize is the extent to which people are getting affected, right? So people are aware of a few things. One is people are aware, hey, I can get malware on my laptops, right? So that's gotten, there's the muscle memory to it. People put antivirus, et cetera. But that's not the only damage. The second one that they're aware of is identity. Okay, my identity got stolen or somebody got into my bank account. There's some level of familiarity there because the pain is very high in those. But what people don't realize is that when you start to have such a big IT infrastructure in your home, and that's not just devices, but it's also apps and services that you use, the extent to which you can be exploited exponentially increases, right? Where people take over devices, uh, you've already seen examples in the news of people watching other people are with the cameras and people think, well, I'll put a sticker on my laptop and I'm safe. No, your television has a camera. Your phone has a camera. You're not- Baby camera. Exactly. Baby, Baby cameras, right? Security cameras outside. But it's not just that. The sound you speak, everything can be, uh, is being watched. So that's the creepy aspect of it. But last but not the least is how the extent to which people are being exploited from by also what are legal entities, companies as well, right? So what you pay for products, what gets reviewed to you as a product, what you get to see, what you get to experience is all completely controlled based on the data data collected about it. Number one, number two, is how you, what you get to pay for it is also getting completely controlled, right? So the extent, understanding that impact your wallet 
and raising awareness around that is really, really, really key. And I think that's that's what everything everybody needs to do in their home as when they, when they look at every app they sign up for, every device they bring to their home. Think about really what is the implication of that, and is there a downstream negative impact in terms of not just privacy but also actual monitoring value. What you're saying, let me regurgitate this, is now we have, looking at our home, we have about 40 devices connected to our Wi-Fi at any given point in Between time. Between the different Alexa, Google Home. Nest controls, kids, multiple devices, cell, cell phones, phones, TVs. Routers. Because are, exactly. Because we're cord cutters, so basically. Peloton device. Multiple of them. Roku's. Exactly. You name it. Chromecast. But, Exactly. Uh, do we have anything that is not connected? Uh, yes. Our kitchen appliances. Exactly. We, we didn't do smart kitchen. No, we, we didn't. didn't go with smart uh, kitchen. Th- not th- yet. That's because the cook is stupid. So no, no, ma- no, th- th- no need for smart Wi-Fi on the sous vide. Exactly. Exactly. So, but what you're saying is we can chase and stick and stick AV on each one of these devices. We need to protect it from the network aspect of this, and we need to know who's listening in on our network. Did I get you right? Exactly. Who's listening in on our network and who's leveraging our identities, right? Yes. Uh, and and as we, I, I think this will kind of, this is bound to come up because of the identity background that we, we we'll share sure. from our past lives, right? The concept of identity in a multi-connected device world is very, very, very different. It's not just a username. It's not just an email address not just your social security number and and people have to realize what that means as you bring more more and more of these and who has access to it and how it's being used okay so let me understand better what's the risk because yes everybody has those multiple devices it's black yeah. friday people will yeah. buy additional devices that are cheap now what is actually the risk for a typical suburban home um yeah. I mean, what's the risk for our kids, for us? Let's understand, because I, I think we all understand that we're exposed. We're in digital lives. We're not going to go into under cave and leave off the grid. So, yes, we can talk about solutions and like you are offering, but let's first understand what can happen. What's the worst case scenario? What's the typical scenario? What do we see out there? Yeah. And and that's a great way to phrase it, Lutal, because just I'm not I don't want to come off as sign off and go live in a cave, right? I still want every app, device, and service that you just mentioned a couple of minutes back. I have them in my home too. I love the convenience, right? So it's not about running away from it. But here's the risk, right? So hey, you don't protect yourself, you can be monetarily damaged. So we talked about identity theft, people being able to get into your bank accounts and affect you financially, right? The second thing is physical, right? So there are already, the, and this, everything is a spectrum here, right? There's the worst case and then there's the minor cases. So literally there are tons of forums where people have posted lists of like unprotected cameras. So somebody can log in and just watch you in your home, right? So there are forums of that kind of, that's just creepy, makes it kin crawl. But then the other end of it is actually uh, life-threatening, right? Where there are literally hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. alone, uh, let alone other countries, who are affected by domestic violence. And one of the primary mechanisms by which they are uh, affected is by use of digital devices, right? Using either tracking apps or tracking them on, on mobile devices, etc. So talking, tying, etc. domestic abuse situations is the extreme. On the hacking side, right? So 
this model where everybody knows, hey, I don't want a virus on my laptop. But think about it this way, right? If somebody puts a virus on your laptop and makes, wipes out your laptop, what's in it for them? Maybe a little bit of kicks, that's it. Yep. But the other end of it is, what if they could take over your device and use it? And this is not fake scenarios, right? This is scenario that's happened already more than half a decade back. Right here in the New England area, there's a major company called DIN that controlled a massive portion of the internet. They were taken down in 2016 by uh, baby cameras <laughs> and home routers, vulnerable home routers, right? And 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 basically DDoSed, right? So Yeah, I remember is, they were like created a network of bots out yes, of... Uh, exactly. Yes. And I'll pause here for a sec to explain what DDoS is because the... You know what? I'll let Vikram explain what DDoS is, even though I, I've 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 do, done due diligence on at least two companies that were built to prevent DDoS, but I'll let Vikram explain. And it's still a problem, right? Of it course. has been one of the most ancient ways to uh, attack. I mean, it's been for like two decades, right? Yes. At least. Th this and ransomware have been, if you want to knock down a Stone Age company, that's the best way to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and here's what I'm going to do, right? And I'm practicing this myself, so I'm going to practice this here. When you ask me to explain something, I'm going to try to explain this in a way that my mom can understand, right? Exactly. This is the problem that exactly. I've, I've suffered in the last decade and a half in cybersecurity is I'm jargonized and I'm going to try and not take it down. Do that anymore, right? That's So the way to explain DDoS to my mom would be, hey, you have a computer. Your computer talks to a lot of devices. And if you have lots of computers and lots of people have lots of computers, when all of these NMOS talk to something, you're going to jam it. Just like in the old days, radios got jammed, et cetera, right? So you can essentially take down a website or a service or an app by flooding, with, flooding it with so much traffic that the server doesn't function anymore. I can give something that some of our listeners will understand. You know what happened last week with Ticketmasters and uh, Taylor Swift? That's it. When too many people go at the same time, millions of people are trying to get Taylor Swift ticket. They say that if she wanted to fill up everyone that wanted to get ticket, she should have performed for 900 nights consecutively. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that was kind of a DDoS, right? Ticketmaster completely collapsed because yes. of this. And I, I know a lot of disappointed people that didn't get a Taylor Swift. So. Yeah. Any of them over 20? Oh, yeah. A bunch of uh, <laughs> millennials that love her. Okay. In their 30s. Okay. I feel my age. And Gen Zs. Yes. Of course. So, back to you. Yeah. So, so and the, back to the impact, right? The best, best case, worst case. Device takeover in the home is very, 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 very common. And it's actually ridiculously easy as well, right? Uh, I mean, they did a, I ran into a survey where they found 83% of the routers in the U.S., home routers are vulnerable and many people don't even change the default password from the vendor, right? And you can go to wiggle.net, you can put in anybody's address and you can see all the SSIDs of all the routers on that street, home, et cetera, right? And in like two minutes, you can pretty much see which of these routers are which brand of routers are sold because people don't change the default SSID either, right? So if somebody is still Netgear 5G. And now, you know, it's a Netgear router. Now you can look up what vulnerability it has. You can check to see what the default password is for a Netgear router. And bam, with a high probability, you're going to get into not just one or two homes. You're going to get into thousands of homes, right? 
literally. So the gateways are open. You have significant resources available. So to anybody who wants to use it for any kind of purpose that they wish to, it's available, right? So what can go wrong, right? And last but not the least, and this is part of what we look at a lot is when it comes to the home, you cannot have a conversation about security without having a conversation about privacy. And the reason being, if I know everything about you, right? If I know where you go, where you work, where you shop, where your children buy things, right? What are your habits? What are your viewing habits? What apps you use? If I have access to this information, then targeting an attack against you becomes ridiculously more simple, right? And, and this information is something that's collected thousands of times a day by hundreds of different companies on each one of our homes. And it's sold to anybody who asks. There's literally no limit on who it's sold to, right? So on, hackers can literally go buy this information, uniquely identify you, and layer it on with additional information that they already have about you from various other sources, public sources. And now you get mass targeted attacks, right? So every one of us gets phishing attacks, peer phishing attacks, et cetera. Why is it possible for so many of us to get it at such scale in such a specific fashion? Because of the information out about us. And last but not the least, this information, like I said, is also being used against us in what are called prime vulnerability moments, right? It's a marketing phrase. Each one of us apparently has thousands of prime vulnerability moments every day. When you're hungry, you're, it's a prime vulnerability moment. When you're sleepy, it's a prime vulnerability moment. When the battery on your phone is down to 5% or less, oh. that's a prime vulnerability of moment. Of course, you're stressed. Right? So there are literally multiple of these kinds of moments that you experience and each of these can be exploited for various reasons by data brokers and aggregators, et cetera. And they Advertisers, do. you're Absolutely. hungry. They're yeah. going to send you a Grubhub coupon yeah. at the same time. Right. Surge pricing, right? So if there's one case that I, I looked at and it, it, it got thrown out in court, but I'm but there are several apps that exploit these kind of the capability, right? Which is when you have a prime vulnerability moment, the pricing that, that can be offered to you for a service that you're looking for at that moment can be differential. Wow, right? that's it's, a dream of an advertiser, right? Yeah. So the that's a that if I get a coupon, I'm happy, right? I'm not I'm not against market as an advertiser. It could However, be the opposite. They give you mm -hmm, more expensive price. Could, or they intentionally cause the prime vulnerability moment, say there are apps that will intentionally drain your battery and then sell that information to another app or service so they can send you that. So it's the exploitation that happens behind the scenes, right? And how yeah. do you get visibility into that? So that's, I think that identity theft is a $40 billion industry. What we are talking about is a $230 billion industry. That's just counting the revenues of the top companies, publicly traded companies in the space. And it's even bigger than that, right? So that's what I think people need to realize what's happening with their data and how it's being used against you and, 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 and the extent to which people are making money off of that. So you're saying that my carrier doesn't have my best interest in mind when oh. they, they put stuff in my house? What a shock. <laughs> the, the evil carriers with their cartelism probably are not against, are a little bit against us. The Didi and Latal show will return in a moment. The Didi and Latal Show is sponsored by Oort, 
In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit hunters.ai to learn more. Privacy is key. It feels like a lot of it is already out there, right? We talked about it several times in a several episode before about hacks that released a lot of our data and it's out there already from social security to some of our maybe medical files. And so are we living in a kind of like post-privacy world? Should we prepare for it? Are there other things we should think about? I know Vikram, you think a lot about this topic and like, this is why you started your company. How should we think about it? Uh, Are there things we should be doing now? And should we also assume that some of our private data is already there and behave differently? Absolutely, right? So social security, driver's license number, first name, last name, date of birth, your address. This is all gone. Gone. Everybody has it, searchable, indexed. It's like instead of trying to hack you both, it's actually cheaper to just go buy yours and like a few thousand others for like 50 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever, on a darknet forum and be done with it, right? So that's literally the starting point now of an attack, right? So what's, what matters next, right? It's your behaviors, right? So I would, I would not, I'm, an opti- I'm optimistic about this. I think I wouldn't call it a post-privacy world. I think this is a new age of privacy. Right. And this is where I want to start talking about the concept of identity. Right. So, and now we have concepts like the metaverse coming in, et cetera. But whatever it is, this, there's nothing new under the sun. So let me put it in another way. Right. And this will resonate with the both, both of you because it bleeds into the identity conversation. So going back to my childhood, I grew up in a big city, right. In a, in a busy neighborhood, thick neighborhoods, a uh, lot heavily populated neighborhood. You have your neighbors, friends, family, everybody around, but you also have interactions in the city with some people that you'd see every day. Right? Somebody would be on your morning bus or they'd walk by you at certain points in the day. They'd wave, you never knew their name, you never knew what they did. But over the years, you'd see them daily enough, right? But you would identify them and say, hey, remember that guy? He wears always a white linen shirt, carries a blue bag, like a middle-aged man. Hey, yesterday he got hurt, right? And everybody know who exactly you're talking about, right? So the concept of identity in, in a connected world is it could be just not just your social security number, right? It could be any combination of pieces of information about you. A male living in the town of Westford between the ages of 40 and 50 went to, tar- went to Target, right? And cross, this brings it down pretty narrowly 
down to like just a few set of people. It's not even uniquely in some zip codes down to just one set of people, right? Nature Magazine published research on this, right? They found that any American can be identified with 99.98% probability with just 15 pieces of demographic information. The data broker industry has a data exchange protocol where they exchange data thousands of times a day between themselves on 1,557 pieces of information about each one of us. Wow. Right? Now, bring the metaverse in where you're going to have wearables and maybe the future metaverse is even embedded into your body, et cetera, right? Wearables. Yeah, all the sensors. Exactly. What's your heart rate, the temperature of your body during the day, right? So many things. Your EKG. Yep. And, and, and the uniquely identifiable information might be person who's in Wellesley, Massachusetts with a heart rate of this thing and, and who blinks their eye so many times a day, right? Or walks with this kind of a gait, right? That is identity. In, well, in, obviously in my camp. previous military background here tells me, wow, this is so useful for the military. Yeah. But, but they've been doing it forever. Like now it's thinking that civilians might be targeted that way. Wow. It's also more interesting because think of the fact that everybody's now trying to push uh, passwordless on us. My yeah, next, so biometric. Biometrics mm-hmm. are supposed to be the replacement. But if I can actually fish your biometric in a very effective way, a lot of these things are built on how does your lively metrics look like. If I can fake them, mm-hmm. your biometric is now very much at risk. Right. So the concept of identity is evolving, right? And the number of data points and the points of telemetry that we will personally feed into it is not, it's coming from apps, devices, services, wearables, embedded, whatever, right? So I think what we need to do is really, coming back to your question, Lutau, is Think of, it's not a post-privacy world, it's a new age of privacy, right? And and we are already in the beginning phases of it, right? Europe's done GDPR to some extent, California, and they have some excellent privacy laws. California has CCPA. Four other states have passed laws in 2023. is a crucial year. These laws are actually coming into effect. Five more states in the U.S. have pending bills as well, right? I, I think what we now need to do is we need to go back to like the I'll draw this another analogy, right? When we first started having cars, people didn't know how the cars worked and what's the, but over time, people learned to change their own oil. They did check tire pressure. They used to, they knew what to look for when they lifted up the hook. People to tinker with their own cars. Yeah. Some limitations need, on speed. Yeah. Exactly, right? So we need to have that same kind of skill set, basic skill sets around our data and our protection and our device, right? And and we need to start to gaining those skills and how do we do that is understanding from a privacy perspective, what can we do to protect it? Um, what are these bills addressing? What's happening with that information? As we start to read through it, and I've actually read the bills or testing the summaries of these bills across all of these states. It took me about an hour. It's not very complex. And, and you start to understand what these bills can do and what these can't do, right? So first of all, as we understand that we all need to start getting more vocal, about our privacy rights and our security rights as a, as a corollary for, for us and our families. Start writing to our congressmen, congresspeople, and, and being vocal about making sure that these are comprehensive and, and adaptable. Now, that being said, I'll also carry out that technology will always overcome legislation, right? So we are not, I'm not, at, I'm not talking about a world where laws will protect all of our privacy completely and totally. That's a utopian. Where we are going to end up is where 
They're going to have laws. They're going to have a police force to protect us in our homes and towns. But we're also going to lock our doors and windows with, with locks and keys and put security devices in our homes, right? It's that balance where, but if you have in the physical world that you'll end up with. Right now, we have nothing, right? And, and letting companies and, and malicious entities run riot with no protection is not, is not, is not the option, right? So I think what we need to do is start getting more aware of what can happen with our data stack tinkering with our, with our digital ecosystem and, and knowing the impact of, hey, if I pull this tube out, what will happen to my car? The equivalent of that on the privacy and the security side. Awesome. So, I think there's two things that I'm, I'm kind of cognizant of at the time. I'm thinking of two things that we need to do. A is make sure that Vikram gets the plug. What does your company actually do? Which and is how you can help and how with can you the help problems here? we discussed. Yeah. And second, when we talk about identity, we have our famous what do we do with our guests of how would they prove that they're not a bot? And we so need, two, exactly. So we need to make sure that these two things kind of get in there. So Vikram, let's start with you telling us about your new venture. Oh, maybe it's not that new. We, we started talking about it a year ago. It's been a year already, right? So tell um, us about the venture. It's actually been three years. I've been quite, we've been quietly working through the, through it, through the pandemic and uh, been live for about a year now. Uh, and we are going to be bringing out some exciting new announcements in the next few weeks. But what we do is we are an online privacy and security company for the connected home. And the way we, our product is called Kavalin's. Kavalin in my native language means God. And the intent is that I want to make a product that is as simple to uh, use for my mom, right? Who's a highly educated person, but she's not technically savvy, right? And I want to be able to have a lot of people who are not technically savvy use it as well. So no software to install, no devices to buy, can set it up in five minutes or less and protect every device in your home from both privacy and security threats. It's an intelligent digital safety system that basically identifies and blocks not just phishing, malware, botnets, etc., but also anything we think is not necessary for the functioning of your devices, apps, and services in your home, which extracts data, et cetera. So a lot of our, the intelligence we build into the product, so what it blocks is around identifying, like on your, on your television, what's unnecessary. So things like we found in my own house that when I plug my product in, the, nasty, the most chatty device that leaks a lot of information in my home is my television. And it leaked information to apps that come pre-installed on it that I've never even launched, used or subscribed to, right? So how do we identify these kinds of threats and block it? So that's, that's what we do. It's a, it's a direct-to-consumer product. Go to getkavalin.com and uh, you sign up and, 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 and buy it. And what we are evolving to is really not just an automatic blocking and identification service. Uh, what we're evolving to is really the intelligent digital safety category. Right, which is a guard who intelligently stands at the front door of your home and blocks, identifies all kinds of new threats and also gives you informed choices on, it's not just this is bad and this is good. There's a lot of grain between, right? And how do you make informed choices on, on your usage of apps and services in your home? So if you say, hey, I do, my kid really wants to play a specific game, I want to love this kid, but what is the risk from that game? Can I make an informed choice of that? And maybe the informed choice is, whoa, this game is too dangerous. I won't let them from a privacy and security perspective. Or maybe the choice is, I will block this game until they have to use it and unblock it 
then play with and then block it again, right? Because a lot of these are not just active when they're being used, they're active otherwise as well, right? So how do you get this insight constantly in your home and be able to make informed choices on your digital life? I love right? it. And you know, I, I have to interrupt. I want to say to all the parents around here, right? We make all kinds of decisions about our kids, right? We're going to give them a candy, but then uh, we'll say, okay, but eat your veggies. We're kind of like a balancing act. So it's great that uh, we can take those gray areas of like, okay, we're not completely going to block. We let them do, but like we make informed decisions. And I think there's a lot for us as parents and people at homes to make smart decisions, be aware, make decisions like we make in every area of our life, security and personal security and cybersecurity, part of those decisions. And I think they're overseen. Also, our kids, especially teens, they think, oh, this game is free. Nothing in life is free. Think you're taking your time, you're the product. No, taking your data. They're doing other stuff. It's like the time that Omri, when he was playing a game he wasn't supposed to, suddenly started getting porn notifications, got links into his phone. The, the, these are the things that happen with some of the games on the side. Yeah, we need to be aware of it and be involved as parents. One thing we didn't cover was actually how this evolved, right? Actually, it's just actually talking to you guys over the years. Yes. Back in the day, working with some of these firewall companies, and you're like, yeah, we have this firewall and I have this segment in my home, right? And I started doing the same thing. I wireshot my home. That's when, that was the genesis of the of the concept, right? To see what, what's happening on a wireshot. This yeah. is interesting. And, and we all have the skills. We have the skills. My mom doesn't. My sister doesn't, right? I mean, yes. Most people don't. And it's, uh, I, I look at it as I'm privileged to have that skill. And just because I have that privilege doesn't mean that I should enjoy more rights than anybody else when it comes to privacy. I agree. Uh, and, and I, I would like for everybody to have it. It's so relevant for everyone listening to this podcast, because I think the majority of people on this podcast in security or in tech, and probably they're the ones that are being the IT person of the family, the brother calls them, the sister, the, the cousin, whomever, you need to have an easy solution to help in. Yes. And that's and the problem. Yeah, exactly. And you need to be able to interpret what does actual bad mean? Because, right, if you remember when we, I was doing the Leah backtracking of who accessed what from what IP. This is a skill that I can do easily, but you couldn't do it easily. That The guy from the IT of the schools couldn't do it easily. And that's a different level of complexity compared to other people. All right. I think we're ready to play the game. And now Lital and Didi present... Prove you're not a robot. Three final authenticating questions for our guest. So my favorite question to ask all our guests is what cybersecurity superhero would you be and what name would you choose for yourself? Privacy man. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing the US team. Yes. Yes. And if you need Red, to white, and blue. Exactly. <laughs> and if you need to choose an actor to play you in the movie that will come from it, who would that be? I'm going to say something that is only going to resonate to a lot of people from where I, I was born from, but it's an actor called Rajini Khan. Okay. He's a superstar. 
in, in India. So you mean resonate with but, a billion and a half people? Yeah. No, small, oh, yeah. small uh, number. Small about, 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 two, about 200 million people. It's yes. from one part of India, right? <laughs> so about 200 million people. But but I, I, I like him because it's, I just love his style. He's got flair. He's got a lot of flair in his acting. But he's also very versatile. And he's, he's adopted a certain persona and he sticks to the persona. So, and I think the problem that we're trying to solve is just so unique and, but also needs to be versatile that he fits the picture perfectly. So Rajnikanth, that's my guy. Awesome. Awesome. Got it. What is your worst hacking breach horror story that you have to share with us? You will resonate. So in 2010, one morning, I walked into my workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I think this will be a repeating theme when we'll have Sam and Red over. That, that's good. Exactly. We'll, we'll hear different, different angles of similar story. Tell exactly. us your story. Yeah. So I walked into the workplace. My, I worked for the gentleman who was the chief strategy officer. So his office was at the same executive level, but walking into the front of the building. Was that Tom of, at the time? What's that? Was that Tom at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I, I was lucky enough that I, I was on that floor, on the topmost floor, but entering the office, lots of Chevy Suburbans, black Chevy Suburbans, <laughs> literally straight out of the movies, guys in dark glasses and suits standing outside with things going into their ears, walk into the office and fingerprint scanners on random rooms around that floor, had no access to several sections of the floor. Made for a very interesting day and I think it changed the world. Yes, yes, it, yes, it did. Yes, so in my life because it ended up, it ended up, it ended up causing some very severe challenges in some of the stuff that I was working on uh, that point in time. But it also changed my life from a security perspective because it 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 really enabled a lot of what ended up happening in terms of the stuff that I was working on in terms of partnerships. Wow, I have to say, because we already mentioned the RSA breach a few episodes ago, it will be so interesting to do a research of how much innovation and thinking yielded in the security industry out of this breach. I think that like you guys that have been through this experience learn so much and this is the amazing thing about it. It's, it's a bad experience, but there you are, all yes. of you will talk with Sam Carey in a couple of weeks and we'll hear about his experience probably. And he had a few episodes full of it in, in different podcasts telling the whole story. Yes. Super interesting. I think it was in Malicious Live podcast. I'll, I'll plug in. Yes. Go check it out. Awesome. Awesome. And last but not least, when we talk about this, uh, what do you think will be the next big revolutionary technology that comes in in the next 15 years? Related to cybersecurity or outside of cybersecurity? Anything, anything. Anything. Space exploration, space infrastructure. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just because my son is crazy about that right now and he's in college term, trying to get into that industry and he thinks that will be the next big industry. A lot so of changes happening e there, e finally. Even, even though there's Elon there too. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Vikram, for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you awesome. for everyone. Thanks again. It was a pleasure having Vikram with us today. Please rate us and share this podcast wherever you're getting here. We are weekly now um, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and on YouTube. We have a channel, so please subscribe to us. Thanks, Didi. Thanks, Vic. We'll see you. See you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye-bye.